Well, we're going to have several moments of prayer, but let me just begin this segment with prayer as well. Father, thank you that today we can remember, we can pray for, we can be informed, we can consider how so many of our brothers and sisters are living out their faith daily in some of the most challenging environments uh, in the entire world. Father, I pray that you would uh, help me to highlight those things that should be highlighted and help me to pass over quickly things that aren't so important for this moment and for this hour. Father, we thank you for the treasure of our brothers and sisters. Help us to somehow sense the responsibility to pray even more fervently for them as they carry the gospel in various ways to those around them, often with amazing creativity, great boldness, and also great risk. Thank you, Lord, for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. As it has been announced already, today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. We join together with thousands of churches all around the U.S. and around the world to pray for our brothers and sisters who are experiencing various kinds of persecution. Those who keep these kinds of statistics say that persecution of the church is greater now than at any time in the history of the church. More than 60 countries around the globe, 215 million believers face high levels of persecution because of their decision to follow Jesus in places that are hostile to the gospel. Yet the world press largely ignores this massive humanitarian horror. Persecution looks different in different places. It can mean being squeezed through harassment, getting fired from a job, discriminated against in every manner possible by society, and sometimes paying the ultimate, ultimate price of being killed. I have friends in northern Iraq where I've been many times who uh, describe their lives this way. We are fourth-class citizens here in northern Iraq, despite the fact that our government speaks about their desire for freedom of religion, we can never even hope to get a fair trial in a court of law. We simply don't have that status. I'm so thankful that the International Day of Prayer is in November, just a few weeks before Thanksgiving. Today, not only will we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters, but we will give thanks for their inspirational lives. So many of them walk in the triumph of Christ against, humanly speaking, all odds. Even as Jim preached last week, they, not all, but many of them, have the Christus Victor spirit. Their lives are inspirational, courageous, challenging, victorious, while at the same time so often difficult, confusing, and even seemingly tragic. Not ultimately tragic, but tragic in that they do 
uh, pay for their lives. In fact, Hebrews 11 describes these that pay the ultimate price. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world, this is so amazing, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so so that only together with us would they be made perfect. The Bible has a lot to say, and I've already read this passage about how the world will treat disciples of Jesus. If the world hates you, Jesus said, keep in mind that it hated me first. Most of us have never experienced the kind of hate that our brothers and sisters experience in places like North Korea, Eritrea, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and the list goes on and on. But we need to be reminded again that persecution has been a part of the story of God's people throughout history. God's prophets, Jesus' disciples were persecuted, and the story of the early church is often the story of persecution of the new believers. In fact, scripture is largely written by persecuted believers for persecuted believers, giving instruction on how to walk with God in the most unthinkable situations. Many of Paul's letters, of course, were written from prison. Paul rejoiced that even Caesar's household was touched with the message of the gospel because of his imprisonment. To the Philippians, he wrote, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm imagining and remembering the faces of so many uh, that have had and continue to have that great triumphant Christus Victor spirit We've been so blessed here at TCF to have heard from Brother Andrew and uh, from Richard Wormbrand and from Fedotov and Vladimir Moroshkin. These, I say, giants in the faith who paid with years in prison. I mean, just add Richard Wormbrand, Fedotov, that's 30 years. Uh, Moroshkin, another five years. Those are Fedotov. Exactly, exactly. So... So these kind of men have been examples to us about rejoice always. Whatever happens, conduct conduct yourself uh, worthy of the gospel. Here's my question. Could it be that God allows persecution to show us that what we think of as the persecuted church is in fact the victorious church? Could it be that our Father in heaven is wanting to continually show us that the gates of hell will never prevail against this church, as we sang already this morning? You know, it can be rather easy, so to speak, to live a Christian life in America, but much more challenging in Saudi Arabia, for instance. 
God wants to show us that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. I was at a secret meeting in a country that I'm not supposed to reveal, so I'll tell you it was in Europe. Some years ago, many believers from Saudi Arabia and many other closed nations, they were so full of joy to be with their brothers and sisters. I remember meeting one banker from Saudi. He described his life. He would fly, and he had some resources, most Saudis do, from city to city just to uh, spend time with perhaps a small group of believers bringing a word of encouragement. So his weekends would be spent flying around Saudi Arabia, and uh, he was just so full of joy. I heard later that as he returned back to Saudi Arabia, he was arrested at the airport, and to this day I don't know what has happened to him. He may be already in the great cloud of witnesses. These are the kinds of brothers and sisters that we are remembering, honoring, celebrating this morning. Some of you sports fans will remember the miracle on ice that happened at the 1980 Olympic Games. Does anybody remember that story? I actually just researched the story a little bit this week, and it is now considered the most epic sports story of the 20th century. You remember the details, the American team of entirely amateurs, college guys, playing the Soviet Union in the semifinal uh, of the medal round. The Americans, of course, were, I mean, like it was a David Goliath kind of a situation, underdogs, and uh, Al Michaels calls the last minute of the game with the U.S. up 4-3, to three, do you believe in miracles? And if you go to Lake Placid, you can hear that that game being played in the stores. They still play the game there. But uh, that is the kind of sports story that, that inspires many American guys. And I'm just wondering if, in fact, what we see in the church that I'm trying to describe to you, living under great pressure, we're seeing that the David and Goliath story is being repeated over and over again, and the church continues to persevere, continues to, uh, to uh, go forward, continues to triumph. Yes, there are, there are problems as well. I don't want to belittle that. I've been there enough to know that the brothers and sisters in that situation also have great challenges and failings as well but their hearts so often are so pure and wanting to advance the gospel. What comes to mind when you think of the persecuted church? Perhaps violence, sadness, pity, anger, thankfulness for the freedom that we enjoy. I want to read a passage from Revelation I think that gives our Lord's perspective on the persecuted church. The church in Philadelphia was, was undergoing severe persecution in Revelation chapter 3. And he, here's the words of Jesus. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. 
Imagine our brothers and sisters in the Philadelphia church that John the Revelator describes and our brothers and sisters world round that we're thinking about and praying for this morning, hearing the words of Jesus, no one can close the door I have opened for you. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. As we hear and read the stories of our persecuted family, I think we come to see more and more that these are the stories of the victorious church. This is what victory looks like. It's again, as I mentioned already, the David and Goliath story over and over again in a spiritual and powerful sense. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Luke 14.27, Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Let's go to the first screen now. I will just try to do this. There we go. The first request of persecuted Christians is pray for us. Some of you will remember Brother Andrew when he spoke from this pulpit. Does anybody remember that? Brother Andrew spoke from this pulpit and he told about our brothers and sisters, particularly behind the Iron Curtain in those days, and made it very clear to us they are a part of the same body of Christ that we are. When they suffer, we suffer. They have the right to have their story told to the body here in the West that we can accurately and earnestly pray for them. The prayer, James says, of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You've heard it in the King James more. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Our prayers are powerful. I think we need to just continue to meditate on that. Our prayers are powerful. Our persistent, persevering prayers will encourage, will sustain, will uplift our brothers. I personally sincerely believe, you don't have to believe this, but that the Iron Curtain collapsed in 1991 for a lot of reasons, but for a primary reason that the church in the USSR for 70 years, joined by the church worldwide, prayed for that evil system to be brought down. I believe the Iron Curtain fell as a result of the prayers, the persistent prayers of the church for that 70-odd years. I heard Charles Swindoll this may have been a previous sermon from years ago, just a couple of days ago, preached that all walls eventually fall. We will affect world history by our ongoing persistent prayers. We need to pray for our Christians around the world, imprisoned for their faith. We pray that the Lord will strengthen, protect, and encourage them. And I'm... Uh, being a little lengthy here. So let's just go to the video right now, and we'll be praying for these needs and other needs. But our first video this morning is about North Korea. I think it's very, very important for us to pray for North Korea at this time. Of course, for obvious reasons, uh, North Korea has been uh, 
the number one most difficult uh, nation for a Christian to live in for the past 17 years, according to Open Doors World Watch. And uh, so that in itself is a reason to be very much in prayer for North Korea. Various estimates suggest there are between 50 to 120,000 Christians in prison camps and detention centers in North Korea today. And uh, so that's a reason we must continue to pray. Secondly, there is rising global interest. Since the Winter Olympics in South Korea in February of this year, uh, in that region, and I personally think there's something very special happening there. I'm not sure what else to say about it. I do know that the persecution of Christians is ongoing right now. I have a great friend, Peter is his first name. He has uh, worked in that region for 30 years. I've been with him on the Korean border a number of times, not inside Korea, but right on the North Korean border. He, he explained to me just uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago, the persecution of Christians continues to be exactly as it has been. In fact, it's getting worse. There's, there's uh, great shortages of every kind. But he is praying. He feels like the Lord has given him this to pray over North Korea for reunification. And so regardless of what it looks like now. So let's go to the Korea video right now.
아실 이 세상에 아쉬울 것이 없다고 그냥 그런 이야기를 했다고 그래요. 그래서 정말 많은 사람들이 옆에서 죽어가고 항상 주님께서 내 마음에 기둥이 되고 내 마음에 등재가, 등대가 되어주시고 그래서 항상 이 노래를 부를 때마다 자꾸 이렇게 눈물을 흘리게 되죠. 주님 내가 너무 감사해가지고. 
and consistent in prayer, remembering those in bonds as though we were bound with them. We are humbled, Lord, to offer prayer to you for those who have suffered so intensely for you and for a nation strangled by the evil one. Thank you, Lord. As Joel said, the gates of hell shall not prevail over your church. Lord, you have said that first we should offer prayer for kings and authorities. So we pray for Kim Jong-un, the political leader of North Korea. Lord, give him a revelation of you. And Lord, cause the fear of the Lord to fall upon him. Open his eyes to see how the enemy is using him and his government to cause his nation such great poverty and suffering. By your mighty power, Lord, break the generational stronghold of the religious cult over North Korea and permeate this nation with the gospel of truth and love. We pray that Kim Jong-un will be moved to cooperate with the national, international nuclear negotiations to open his country to relationship and trade with other nations. Lord, especially open this nation's airways to radio and TV that Christian programming could come into the people of North Korea. And we pray that your ambassadors would be allowed into this country and that Bibles could be distributed throughout the country. Lord, we remember your people, your underground church in North Korea. They are people just like us, Lord, with the same weaknesses and vulnerabilities. Thank you for the courage and faith you have given to them. Continue to give them courage and empower them to be your witnesses, Lord. Father, we pray for parents who are forbidden to teach their children and family members about Christ. Deliver them from fear and give them courage and boldness with great wisdom to bring the gospel to their family and to their neighbors. Lord, we lift up the 50,000 Christians in detention centers and prisons. We pray for their release, Lord. But mostly we pray for their strength. Strengthen their faith. Let them be builders of your kingdom in those places and bring many to Christ. Let those prisons be transformed by your love and bring revival in those places. Lord, we pray for those attempting to escape North Korea and for those who risk their lives to cross into China to bring back supplies and the gospel. Set your protection around them. Let angels guide and guard them. Give them courage and supernatural strength. Comfort them in their suffering. Be with their families and meet all the many, many deep needs. Fill them, Lord, with your joy and peace. Lord, we thank you for the extraordinary grace that your people receive from you for times of great trial 
Lord, may we be encouraged and equipped by their example of perseverance and patience that we also might be your witnesses and endure every hardship with thankfulness. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name and for his glory. Amen. Catch what our North Korean sister said at the end of the video. At God's appointed time, all prayers for North Korea will be answered. And then she encouraged us just to be persevering and patient. We need to pray for the protection of pastors and evangelists who share the gospel in restricted and hostile nations. They are typically the ones that will be first arrested, put in prison, tortured. I've already mentioned the names of Murashkin and Fedotov, Richard Warmbrandt, uh, the Iranian martyrs that have been mentioned over the years, uh, a more recent brother that I know personally, Jamal, who spent 22 months uh, in prison in northern Iraq because of his work with World Compassion and other organizations distributing Christian literature, humanitarian aid, Bibles, uh, so they're the ones that uh, first uh, are, are typically harassed, hunted down, arrested, put in prison, and often on very trumped-up charges. We also need to pray for the provision and encouragement of Christians whose family members were killed for living out their faith in Christ. I think on on this particular point, I think we especially need to be praying for organizations like Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors who specifically seek out these kinds of families. They go to great lengths to find families uh, of martyrs, uh, those who uh, have their husbands in prison, and they go to great lengths to provide financial assistance, food, and other basic provisions for them. So let's be praying not only today, but in an ongoing way for Voice of the Martyrs, Open Doors, and other organizations like that that are particularly uh, doing all they can to reach out to family members who have lost a loved one tragically. Our second video this morning is of the church in Pakistan as we've already been praying over the last several weeks, Ray and Denise Thorne are currently there. Ray's been there many times. He knows of the persecution that many Christians experience in an ongoing way. Uh, Denise is there for the first time. So let's be praying for the Thorns and for the church in Pakistan. And let's go to that video right now.
Today in Pakistan, we Christians are second-class citizens. Though we have committed no crime, we are ostracized and banished to the lowest place in society. Often we are forced to leave our villages and our own homes. We cannot get good jobs. And we have no voice in government. What is left for us is servitude. Sewage work. We know we will never advance. church, a place where Christians come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to sing His praise, to study His word. For while our country has turned its back on us, God has not. Sometimes it is not easy. The loss, the injustice. So please remember to pray for us. That we will continue to live together in fellowship. That we will continue to see the joy of the Lord in our lives that we will persevere in our faith no matter the cost. And please remember, we are praying for you. saying I don't feel worthy uh, to pray for such a people that have paid the price and continue to pay the price. I'd like to start by just praying for the, uh, the laws that are in Pakistan, the, 
about the uh, ambiguous blasphemy laws that have been put in place. And Lord, we ask that you would help those Christians who are in jail for a real or perceived slight against Islam. And, uh, and, and any accuser can claim something derogatory has been about, said about Islam or Mohammed and the person accused can be arrested and sentenced to death. Lord, we, we don't understand this. We ask you to possibly move these laws out of uh, enforcement. We ask you, Lord Jesus, we think of the children in this nation who are forced to go to Islamic schools and learn uh, extremist messages and ideologies and, and pray for uh, we want to pray for I forgot <laughs> I want to pray for Asiya Bibi who recently was released from Amen. prison and she did eight years uh, waiting for release and uh, they were very the Muslims are very upset Lord we ask you to protect her and her family as she tries to find a way out of Pakistan Lord that there would be an obvious an obvious uh, someone would be able to, to smuggle them out of, uh, of, of this country. So we pray for the women and the children, the ones who, who are abducted and forced to marry sexual or to marry uh, Muslim men and uh, are abused sexually and uh, forced to convert Lord, we pray that you would give grace and protect the minds of the women and uh, those who are forced to do things they don't want to do that are not godly. And Lord, we thank you and we're uh, moved by the, the uh, yes those Christians that are standing for Jesus in this nation. And Lord, we ask that you would bless them in their ministering and preaching the gospel and that people who have been born into Christian families who have never had a chance to go to church are hearing God's word for the first time. I just really have a burden to exhort the church, exhort individuals. Uh, we have, our focus, I believe, has been not on the persecuted church every day of our lives. We don't do this. We don't pray. I know for one myself, I haven't done what I think. I think I would be a hypocrite. And uh, I just feel that God wants us to widen our focus and include the persecuted church into our daily prayers. 
and think of those before we go to bed at night. So, Lord, we ask you would give us conviction, and we thank you for your strength and your courage to carry out your will in praying for this nation and for the nations that are being persecuted, the people, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Al. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, rather than sharing any more thoughts, I've got just three or four points that I'll just pray over as a, as a conclusion to our service this morning. Let's pray for government officials and hostile and restricted nations that they will come to know Jesus and follow him for the rest of their lives. Father, even as the Apostle Paul, when he was imprisoned in Rome, was able to share with a palace guard in Caesar's household. And Father, we believe that many in that uh, group came to Christ. We do pray for the leaders uh, of uh, nations where there is great persecution, that they would uh, somehow hear the gospel. I pray particularly for someone that we at World Compassion have had a chance to befriend over the last four or five years in northern Iraq, Minister of Interior, Mr. Kareem. Lord, we pray as he has publicly and to us personally said he wants northern Iraq, Kurdistan, to be known as a place where there is complete religious freedom for Christians and all minorities and that it might even be a safe haven for Christians, that that might not only be a lip service but would actually become a reality and even more so that uh, Minister Kareem himself would come to know Jesus as Lord and would make this this life ambition that a Muslim nation in the middle of the Middle East might be known as a safe haven for Christians. Father, we continue to pray for ministries that broadcast the gospel by radio and television and internet into closed nations. Father, as they self-describe themselves as the Air Force, and uh, I think uh, appropriately so, thank you that they can penetrate borders uh, like often many missionaries can't. Father, we pray that the chat rooms set up through Internet ministries and the daily broadcasts that uh, go into most of the, uh, uh, the world that is closed uh, to the gospel. Lord, we pray that there will be tremendous receptivity. Thank you for the great reports we're hearing from Iran that many, many are praying, are coming to Christ, are even a part of the church services that are led uh, from the West, and uh, they can interact by face, FaceTime or however they do it, but have brothers and sisters in the West leading these services as these Babes in Christ continue to grow in their faith. Father, we pray for the provision and safe delivery of Bibles to believers in hostile and restricted nations. Father, we recognize that many believers are praying that they simply would one day have one copy of the Bible. Thank you, Lord, that you blessed us in World Compassion in a recent delivery just just a week ago to deliver 6,000 New Testaments into Islamabad for further distribution. Thank you, Lord, for uh, watching over those Bibles. We pray that they will get to the right places and will uh, be read by many 
and that many will come to Christ by reading your word. And Father, we pray that Christians in free nations, even as Al prayed, will uh, take it upon themselves in a way like never before to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters, with the victorious church in closed nations. Help us, Father, to uh, do things that we can do. Help us to pray as Al encouraged us. Help us to stand with them in our prayers. Let's Help us to pray for our persecuted family to forgive and bless their enemies. Help us uh, to stay updated on the news of suffering believers, keeping our prayers current. Help us to tell others about our persecuted family, inviting them to join us in the work. Help us to write words of encouragement when we're able to those in these nations. Help us to visit our brothers, even as Ray and Denise are doing, and Gordon and Sue will be in just a few days' time. And help us even in a financial way to support our brothers and sisters. Father, we pray especially for the families of 10 Coptic Christians who were killed just this past week on a trip to visit Anaba Samuel Monastery in the Western Sahara or the Western Egyptian Desert. Lord God, we pray for them. We continue to pray also for the atrocities that have happened recently in Nigeria. Lord, we pray for the possibly two million Christians that have been displaced through the uh, horrible destruction that has come about, uh, particularly by the Boko Haram. We continue to pray for the schoolgirls that were abducted in 2014, and as of now, only 112 of them have been found. Lord, we pray for mercy for them. We pray for those that have been killed by the Muslim Fulani herders in the recent past. Lord, we pray that this killing would come to an end. Father, we pray you will encourage our brothers and sisters in closed nations. May they sense your presence. May they know the joy of the Lord. May they know that their brothers, the church, is praying for them world round. Thank you for the inspiration and the example they are to each of us. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray and we believe. Amen. Let's remember that, again, the bulletin board is updated. We have a great reminder here of prayer points. There's prayer points in your bulletin to take home, put on your refrigerator. And uh, I hope you're encouraged today. We We have a victorious church that we're standing with. God bless you all. Have a great day.